Hey, I'm Brady Hyan, and this is Bettering Nashville. This week on the show, I'm speaking with Allie Wallace from Open Table Nashville. Open Table does a lot of great work on the issue of homelessness in our city. We talk about a lot of things like myths about homelessness and solutions to address it and how it has changed over the years, how it's changed during COVID. It's a lot of good stuff. I learned a lot. I hope you will too. I'll go ahead and jump right in to my conversation with Allie Wallace of Open Table Nashville. Hey, Allie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and jump right into it. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do with Open Table? Yes. Um, so my name is Allie Wallace, and um, I have lived in Nashville since 2008. From 2008 to 2012, I was an undergrad student um, and then have lived in Nashville since I graduated from undergrad. But I've worked at Open Table for a year. I'm the executive assistant. So my role is primarily administrative in the work that I do, trying to provide as much logistical support to the programs that we run. And um, I have a Master's of Divinity degree. Um, and I've been married for about six years. And my husband and I um, have volunteered on and off with Open Table through the years um, back when it first was founded in 2010. Mm-hmm. And so it's been great to be um, on staff and be more kind of behind the scenes and um, involved in more of the day-to-day operations of everything. Awesome. So sounds like it started back in 2010. Can we, can we go back to that time and walk us through how things got started? And then you can kind of dive into the work that Open Table does. Yeah, absolutely. So Open Table was founded in 2010 in response to the major flood that devastated Mm -hmm. many parts of this city. Um, I was just a sophomore in college when that happened, but um, I knew a couple of the people who had been working with folks out at Tent City, which is one of, um, was one of the largest homeless encampments in Nashville, one of the largest ones in the country too, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, they were completely flooded out and displaced from the flood. Mm -hmm. And so there were some folks already kind of engaging with the people there and walking alongside of them. And then when the flood happened, knew we need a more organized response to this. We need to figure out where these people are going to go. Do they have somewhere to live? Um, Their camp has been completely destroyed. So what um, is going to happen to them and what can we do to kind of stand in the gap and advocate alongside of them for housing? Um, So that's kind of how there were four co-founders and Lindsey Krinks still works for um, Open Table today, and she was one of the co-founders. Hmm. Um, and so that is kind of the story of how Open Table got started. Awesome. Um, when I started this podcast, one of the issues that I really wanted to get educated about at the top of my list, I think, was homelessness. And I know that it's a huge, complex, and deep-rooted issue, and it's connected to a lot of different things. Um, so we might be going all over the place here, but can you kind of just 
maybe talking specifically about homelessness in Nashville, some of the numbers there, how it compares to the rest of the state or maybe the rest of the country and how it's kind of maybe changed over the years? Yeah, homelessness is an incredibly complex issue. And I think there's a lot of myths that exist around homelessness. Um, I know for myself, when I was younger, before I had sort of been educated properly around the issue, I just assumed it was people who needed to go get a job. And then if you have a job, you won't be homeless anymore. Mm -hmm. And then when you kind of dig further into the issue, you realize, well, to get a job, you have to have transportation to that job. So what Mm -hmm. if you don't have a car? What if you don't even have a bus pass? Or you live near a bus line to even get on the bus to go to a job? Um, What kind of barriers exist that maybe prevent someone from getting a job? And then I realized, and statistically, one of the um, the leading cause of homelessness is actually loss of job. Okay. Um, and so it's not necessarily somebody that just doesn't want to get one. A lot of times people, um, one of the major triggers of homelessness is losing a job. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot of other myths around homelessness, around people with, um, you know, with addiction and alcoholism and mental health issues. And certainly those things exist. But those things exist in every aspect of our society, whether you have right. a house or not. Right. Um, and unfortunately, I think the homeless population, because they're visible, because they're on the streets, mm-hmm. sort of been stigmatized by those things. Um, but in Nashville, um, yeah, homelessness has certainly increased through the years. Okay. And, um, you know, a few years ago, we started hearing this this idea of Nashville being sort of the it city. And yeah, yeah. tourism was booming. People, I mean, groups would come from out of town just to have like a bachelorette weekend. Mm-hmm. And you saw a lot of condos going up. And a lot of people were suddenly interested in living in Nashville. For a lot of people that already lived here, that posed a problem in terms of gentrification and getting pushed mm-hmm. out of their neighborhood. Um, or the cost of property going up in their neighborhood and no longer being able to afford it. And so it sort of became a city that was more for, I guess, people with money or wealth or resources. And the folks that already lived here were getting pushed out of their neighborhoods and some of them out onto the streets and um, simply because they couldn't afford their rent anymore. And uh, that is an issue that definitely persists today. Absolutely. How would you say it compares to the rest of the state or the rest of the country? Um, I definitely think homelessness is more prevalent in urban cities and in more metropolitan communities. So obviously Nashville being a city, being the capital in Tennessee, it's a very concentrated population. And Mm -hmm. um, a lot of homeless advocates in this city, including Open Table, um, consider on any given night in Nashville, there's over 20,000 people experiencing homelessness. Oh, wow. Um, And we include those who are staying in hotels and living in their cars as well, not just on the stable homes. Yeah. Um, And so kind of to compare that to something in the city, um, you could fill every seat in Bridgestone arena with the people experiencing homelessness. Wow. Um, And I I know that when we talk about homelessness, you also have to talk about housing, obviously, 
uh, and especially affordable housing. This is kind of a term that's tossed around a lot. And maybe a lot of people listening to this, including myself, don't really dig into it and know the full scope of it, or especially not the specifics about affordable housing in their area. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the affordable housing situation in Nashville? It sounds like you've kind of painted that picture of it kind of being harder and harder to find affordable housing as Nashville becomes more and more popular as a city. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a direct correlation to the population rising here, the number of people that have moved here with rent and apartments just skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. But affordable housing refers to housing um, that an individual or family earning 60% or less of the median household income can afford without becoming cost burdened. And that is considered, being cost burdened would be considered that you spend over 30% of your income on housing. Okay. Um, And so this was from a 2017 study. And um, in Nashville, 44% of all renters um, were cost burdened. And more than 70% of those were low income renters. Wow. you a few numbers there to kind of put it in perspective. That is crazy. And see, you just laid it out in one sentence, the exact definition of affordable housing. Somehow I've never heard that. And I consider Mm -hmm. myself like an educated, curious person that is trying to find out like what's going on in my city and my country. I've never heard that definition of affordable housing before. So just to put it in those concrete terms, I think is very helpful. Um, But I guess my next question would be, what do you do about it? And what is Open Table trying to do about it um, more specifically? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, one of Open Table's, you know, speaking of being educated around an issue, one of Open Table's primary goals as an organization is to provide um, education around yeah. issues of homelessness. And our, I'm really proud of the education program that we have. And Lindsay Crinks, who is our, um, who is um, a co-founder of Open Table, is the director of our education program. And she offers so many trainings um, that are evidence-based practices and um, really provide great education and just knowledge about homelessness. Whether you're somebody that wants to volunteer with Open Table and you want to know how to do that. Um, all the way to, you know, policies and laws that are being passed in the city that Mm. affect our friends on the streets. Um, We have trainings around um, active listening and um, trauma-informed care. Um, Mm. All of our work at Open Table um, assumes trauma. And so we try to be trauma-informed in all of the work that we do, um, including de-escalation tactics and different things like that. And those are all trainings um, that we offer. And that's for the entire community. It's for faith communities, businesses, individuals, groups, anyone that is simply looking to be educated. We want to be able to do that. So let's say you're trained up and then you go out to do the work. What does that look like? What do you guys do uh, on a week-to-week basis? So I want to speak a little bit about our outreach program and then talk about the way that volunteers intersect with that. Sure. So our other major program at Open Table, um, they are our outreach workers. And we have a team of outreach workers who are kind of geographically dispersed in the city. Um, we call them our south side worker, our west side worker, and then north and east. Okay. And um, our philosophy is a very um, relational approach. And our philosophy is um, a housing first model. We believe that housing is what will end homelessness. and mm-hmm. so. 
the people that we come into contact with and meet and build relationships with are people that we hope will eventually move into housing. And so um, we don't work on any sort of referral service. Our outreach workers um, are fairly independent and have a lot of agency in the way that they choose um, to do their work in the city, which really allows us to advocate for our people in a way that other groups can't. Um, And so our outreach workers go to the streets every day. They go campsites, they go to parks, they go to bridges, they go to where people are. Again, transportation is a huge barrier for people experiencing homelessness. Yeah. And so instead of relying on, which I think Nashville doesn't even really have a great <laughs> bus system anyway. And so right. instead of having to hope that they can get a ride somewhere, we want to go to where they are. Mm. So meet folks where they are and get to know them, begin navigating the very complex process of moving into housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are incredible workers who put their bodies and their souls and just every part of themselves um, on the line for the work that they do and um, really journey alongside of our friends who are on the streets to advocate alongside of them and to provide them with resources that they need, whether that is a tent for their campsite, mm-hmm. uh, dog food <laughs> for the pet that they might have with them all the way to a birth certificate, a social security card, and hopefully leading up to moving into housing. Gotcha. That is awesome. So you're just trying to figure out where each person is on the pathway to finding a home and just helping them get that next step, whatever that next step is. Um, That is so cool. I also, in reading about you guys, um, read up on your Glencliff Village project. Could you speak to that? So it is, they are still under construction at the moment. And so, yeah, that's called the village at Glencliff. And those, um, the goal of those is to be micro homes that provide medical respite for folks coming out of the hospital instead of being discharged back to the streets Mm. (laughs) for your healing and recovery, you would have a place of respite to come and heal. And hopefully during your time of healing can, um, do some of the paperwork required to work towards again, getting into housing. Yeah. I think you guys are, you guys are obviously doing incredible work to get people housed. What is the long-term goal in an ideal world? Like what is the end goal for open table Nashville and in addressing the issue of homelessness in Nashville? What does that look like when when you would sit down at the end of the day and be like, we did it. You know, like, cause I, I, I think a lot of people just accept homelessness as like, this is just a thing. Like it's always mm-hmm. been a thing. It's going to be a thing. Like we're just not going to worry about it that much and we're going to do what we can. But I do think that there's um, a lot of issues, including homelessness that we can solve. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your vision for that? Yeah. Well, the goal of Open Table Nashville is to hopefully one day work ourselves out of a job <laughs> where <laughs> Open Table wouldn't even need to exist anymore. And, yeah. um, in our most lofty ideal kind of world, that's what we would love. And we try to live into that every day in the work Mm -hmm. that we do. Um, But you're right. There are very tangible, concrete, practical things that you can do to end homelessness. And again, the primary way to end homelessness is housing. And Mm -hmm. that um, involves a lot of advocacy work with um, city leaders and local politicians that they allocate room in their budget for units of affordable housing um, Mm. that folks can move into um, that are not 
run down, run by slumlords, people who take advantage, people who don't take care of their properties so that folks not only have a place to live, but have a dignified place to live as well. Mm-hmm. Um, dignity is one of our core values at Open Table, and we want to meet everybody um, with compassion and solidarity with the dignity that they deserve. Unfortunately, this last year in Nashville, um, Mayor Cooper cut uh, housing the Barnes Housing Trust Fund um, in half. Okay. which was a fund of money that was meant to be allocated for affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the technical millions. I think it was like 10 down to five or 4.9 mm-hmm. or something like that. But a significant chunk of that money that was for affordable housing was slashed from the budget. Um, and so when you look at a city's budget and where the money's spent, you see where a city's priorities are mm-hmm. and what matters to them. And unfortunately, Things like homelessness and social services are always at the bottom of the list as opposed to being the most funded. Where do you see that money going to from the city that they're pulling from homelessness um, advocacy? Uh, is it is there an obvious like move away from social services into something else? Or is it just kind of like trimming down the budget? So the National People's Budget was a community organization that formed while the the mayor and the city council was sort of proposing the budget that was going to go into effect. This was like then, a couple months ago, right? Like April yeah. or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in like April and May, which maybe in the pandemic feels like was a year ago, but right, right. a couple months ago, but <laughs> so um, they were just showing some of the statistics and different numbers that were being proposed for the budget. Cooper's budget was proposing nearly $1 million a day on the criminal legal system, mm-hmm. but only like 269,000 on healthcare, um, 18,000 a day on social services. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the budget just shows a disparity in some of the values of the city that we hold at open table that don't necessarily exist um, in Nashville as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so many studies And so much research has been done that shows funding social services and funding education, funding affordable housing only helps your community and only helps who are marginalized, who have barriers to resources. Continuing to overfund our policing and our legal system for us in our experience and in our work only harms the people Hmm. that we work most closely with um, and doesn't do anything to better their lives. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned the pandemic. Uh, Obviously, we have to talk about it. How has that impacted uh, homelessness in Nashville and how has that impacted the work that you guys are doing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We have a saying at Open Table, blessed are the flexible. (laughs) (laughs) We have to be flexible in the work that we do. Um, It's always adapting and always changing. And then you throw a tornado into that, quickly Mm -hmm. followed by a pandemic after Mm -hmm. that. We were hit back to back with two <laughs> major crisis events. Yeah. Um, and so responding to that really, you know, we had to take a beat and say, what is this going to look like? What are the needs? And that was the biggest thing was like, yes, you have to talk about your staff capacity and you have to talk about what you can do and what you can do safely. But mm-hmm. also most important in the conversation is what do our friends on the streets need? Yeah. Um, and so we don't ever want to assume what somebody needs or what's best for them. We want the people we work with to have agency and say, again, going back to dignity as a core value. And so our, 
our friends who are on the streets experiencing homelessness, what do they need right now? Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the biggest things that came up pretty quickly was food. So a lot of um, food services that were operating in the city, whether that was like a meal at a church or, you know, different things like that, that operate with volunteers that operate indoors, shut down um, when the pandemic started because it wasn't safe to gather. We were still learning about the virus and all of that, what it looks like. And so a lot of places that folks could rely on every day to go get in line for food or go sit down and have a meal with somebody um, were just kind of shutting down really quickly. And so one of the things that has been addressed that we have participated in um, is a a food box distribution program. And so um, the village at Glencliff um, has become a food distribution site where people can bring donations and then different um, service providers and outreach workers in the city can just fill out this form that says, I need to take 20 boxes to this camp. Or they have some folks who live in housing and mm-hmm. I need to take um, five boxes to this apartment complex that I have five people that live in that I housed. Um, and so we started doing that at the very, very end of April. So we've been doing that for like around 15 weeks now. Um, and we have delivered over 800 boxes of food to folks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to try to meet the need that they said that they had. And another thing that we tried to encourage people to do was your, the rate of transmission or of, of getting the virus, you know, that goes up the more people you interact with and the more people you interact with that aren't wearing masks and things like that. And so we tried to encourage a lot of folks who live out in camps to stay in their camps. And so, you know, coming out more could potentially expose you more to getting the virus. And so if we're asking people to stay in their camps, well, then what do they need to stay in their camps? And they need food. They need propane to cook their food and different things like that. And so just trying to make sure that they stay stocked with the things that they need to keep going and to be safe as well. Gotcha. um, I think one thing that a lot of people think of when they think of homelessness is homeless shelters. Mm. Um, 20,000 people a night, there's not room in shelters for 20,000 people, you know? But again, I'm coming from a place of ignorance about homeless shelters. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think that homeless shelters are not an answer to solving homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are just that. They are a shelter, which yeah. kind of implies temporary. And so it's not a home, um, but it is a place. And particularly on cold nights, it's a place to get out of the cold, <laughs> which can potentially kill you. But the shelter system is complex and it's nuanced right. and it's a broken system, unfortunately. There are some shelters that have a lot of barriers when it comes to who can maybe stay there at night. Um, There's some places that, um, you know, you can't stay if you have a pet. And we would never tell anybody in housing that they had to go somewhere that they couldn't bring their pet, you know? So why would we tell someone on the streets something different than that? That's their Mm -hmm. companion and their friend. Yeah. So a lot of people don't want to come into a shelter if they can't bring their pet. Um, A lot of shelters are gender based on okay. if you're male or female. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so if you are a couple staying um, as a couple is oftentimes not an option. Hmm. And then there's just sometimes there's just some safety issues with, you know, particularly people who are maybe on the LGBTQ spectrum, not feeling safe in a shelter, whether they've been met with, you know, aggression or violence. 
And so shelters work, I think, for certain kinds of folks experiencing homelessness, but not everybody. It's not, it's not a one size fits all for sure. Yeah. And sometimes I think sometimes shelters operate under that impression that it's kind of a one size fits all and it's mm-hmm. not. And so when there's barriers that exist for folks to get off the streets, then we're not fixing the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really hard in the winter, especially open table canvases on cold nights when the weather gets below, it's either 28 or 27 degrees. I absolutely should know it. I'm the one who coordinates. Too, too, <laughs> too cold. Yeah, when it's just so, so cold. We have volunteers and we have canvassing leads and um, we drive around, we walk around and we go and we have supplies with us like hand warmers, emergency blankets, gloves and socks. The first thing we try to do is get people to come into a shelter to mm-hmm. come in today. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to go to the shelters because of experiences they've had there. Mm-hmm. So if we're not able to get somebody to go to a shelter for the night, um, we try to give them what they need to survive the night. Do you need a protein yeah. shake? Do you need this emergency blanket? And we train our volunteers on different signs to look for. You know, is somebody inebriated? Is somebody experiencing hypothermia? We do a, a little bit of first aid training to help our volunteers feel equipped um, should they meet somebody that needs medical attention or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, the shelter system is certainly not perfect. And there's a lot of people who operate in them really well. And then there's as many people who don't. Yeah, it's just not a one-size-fits-all issue. Are there any solutions that are kind of new and promising, maybe, in terms of addressing the homelessness issue or affordable housing? Like, what are some things that people are starting to do that, I don't know, might be surprising or interesting? There's been some cool stuff, like, in California and in Seattle. Um, Places in the Pacific Northwest have seemed to be a couple steps ahead of us here in Nashville in terms of the way that they address homelessness mm-hmm. and um, advocate for people who are on the streets. And um, whether that's, you know, a hotel voucher program where folks can stay in hotels, okay. um, you know, particularly during this pandemic, we at Open Table advocated for people to have a voucher to stay in a hotel if they needed to quarantine, not at a shelter with yeah. other people. Or they could be more isolated. Yeah, the yeah. city opted for the shelter, a shelter system for mm-hmm. COVID, and um, but I think hotels would have been something safer. Yeah, uh, certainly more dignifying. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's you know micro homes. I think are something that we're seeing pop up. If the uh, you know yeah. the project at Glencliff will be one of the first of its kind as far as medical respite is concerned. And mm-hmm. so, would it work to kind of have city created? like micro villages like that, is that feasible? Are there roadblocks there? I don't know. I think depending on who you asked, they would tell you if there were roadblocks or not. But again, I think it goes back to myths that people have about people who are experiencing homelessness. Unfortunately in Nashville, there's a lot of people who feel that (laughs) seeing a homeless person is unsightly and they don't want to see a homeless person when they drive down the street because they don't want to be bothered with it or confronted with it. So back in 2012, legislation passed a bill that said camping on state property was illegal and you could be arrested for it. Um, And just most recently, (laughs) that law has now turned into you could be um, get a felony conviction for that. And so we know that that bill was targeting the protests that were happening downtown. But that also targets our friends on the streets who need a bench to lay down on when it's 100 degrees. Time and time again, it does not make sense to us that you would pass a law that criminalizes somebody for not having a house, 
but then not do anything to help them get a house. Yeah, It, it baffles us mm-hmm. and we see it time and time again. And so we keep advocating for our people and we shout and scream about it and stand alongside of them and protest and have meetings and advocate. And yeah. so we're blue in the face and we're going to keep doing that because the the solution is housing and the solution is housing that people can afford. I think for that exact reason, it's so crucial that you guys are doing the education piece because mm-hmm. it starts with the mindset. If there's, if there's a stigma or like people are already believe what they're going to believe about homelessness, then you're going to be hard pressed to change their minds or get them out to volunteer or get them out to vote a certain way. So I think it's incredible that you guys are trying to change the minds of people and just like educate people and um, show them what it's really like. Whenever you see someone that's homeless and uh, out on the street, which you, you, can, you come across that every day in Nashville, what is the best thing that you can do for them in that moment? When, whether you're at a stoplight or walking down the street, like, what is the most empowering thing to do? Just be a human. <laughs> look them look them in the eye. Yeah. Smile at them. Even if you don't, you know, we have some people who say like, what can I do? Like when I'm at a stoplight or what can I do when I'm at this stop sign? And we encourage folks to carry stuff in the backseat of their car, you know, carry some granola bars, um, mm. carry a pair of gloves when it's cold. Yeah. But even if you don't have those things, look them in the face (laughs) and recognize them as another human. Mm -hmm. We've had so many folks on the streets tell us like people divert their eyes. They don't even look at us, you know, and that's so dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. And, and for a lot of folks who, again, don't have the knowledge or the experience, it becomes sort of this big intimidating thing to them. But at the end of the day, like they're just a person. Like when I found out that loss of job was the number one trigger for homelessness, it was like, well, gosh, that could be anybody, you know, but I worked at Open People, the job I had previously, I lost that job. Mm -hmm. And so like, (laughs) it's not just this abstract thing. It's a very tangible thing that could literally happen to anybody. Especially in the time that we're in when so many people uh, have lost their jobs and now uh, the federal unemployment uh, additional benefits have run out and people are facing eviction, right? Right. As we speak. And there could be an, another homeless person tonight, tomorrow, and like people that have never experienced homelessness in their life. That is exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's scary. It's, scary. Guess, yeah. it's scary, but yes, absolutely. But yeah, when you see somebody out on the streets, you know, it's just an idea of like recognizing the humanity in each other. Mm-hmm. You're a person and you're a person. You know, I used to sometimes <laughs> when I was like back in college, And I first was sort of like, I grew up in a really small town. And when I came here to a big city, it was like, there were a lot of homeless people and I Mm -hmm. saw them a lot and I was not exposed to that before then. And so it was like, what do I do with that? You know? And it's like, oh, you say hi, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? And so I I used to feel bad, like, oh, well, if I look at them, they might think I have something. And what if I don't have anything to give them? And it's like, you making eye contact with them is still giving them something. It's acknowledging their person, you know? And so, um, it does. It makes a difference just to recognize humanity in people. And like I said earlier, we always encourage people to carry stuff in your car because there are so many people on street corners. And so they're thirsty and they're hungry. Pending on the weather, they're either sweating or they're very, very cold. Mm-hmm. So it swings both ways here in Nashville. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes within the hour. Yeah. <laughs> in Nashville weather. But yeah, I mean, there's just stuff you can carry in your car. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, I personally on my own can't end homelessness, but can I partner with people? Can I do something, mm-hmm. you know, and giving out supplies is huge. Our folks rely on that for their survival. That's very helpful advice. Um, more specifically, someone listening to this that wants to help Open Table, what's the best yeah. way for them to help Open Table? We love for people to get connected with us on social media, um, just Open Table Nashville, our Facebook page and our Instagram. And that is a really primary way that we let folks know what's going on. We post on there when we are in need of donations or supplies. Um, you can also just donate online, opentablenashville.org give and donate. But we post on there too about things going on within the city. Um, we do a lot of call to actions. Should there be, you know, we need to send an email to our council members about this um, legislation that's going to be passed. And so we try to keep people up to date with what's going on in the city and how our friends on the streets are being affected by that. And so, again, whether that's donations or supplies or, you know, some kind of advocacy, our social media um, has most of all of that stuff there. Awesome. And education. <laughs> yeah. Ask questions, Google, look things yeah. up. So on that uh, on that point, is yeah. there any maybe any source of media like a book or a documentary that is like just a really helpful way to get educated about homelessness that you guys would recommend? Yes. So actually on our website, um, opentablenashville.org slash resources, we have some statistics and handouts like linked. Mm -hmm. We also have a list of videos and films that are really helpful. One of them in particular is Tent City USA that um, accounts the struggle of some of, you know, our friends in Nashville needing to preserve that encampment and giving these people the right to exist. And so that talks specifically about a Nashville camp. Um, And then there's some books listed there as well. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'll be sure to send people that way. Well, Allie, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm going to ask you one final question, even though you've touched on it so much in so many different ways throughout this conversation. I ask this to everyone on the show, but whether it relates to homelessness or not, how do you think that we can make Nashville better? I think Nashville will be made better when we invest in our communities and we invest in people, not profit. And when the folks in the city who are oppressed and marginalized have equity Mm. and justice. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Allie. Again, this has been a really enlightening conversation and I'm looking forward to the work that Open Table Nashville is going to do in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Once again, that was Allie Wallace from Open Table Nashville. If you like what you heard, be sure to check out our Instagram at Bettering Nashville, where I'll be linking to Open Table and the resources that we talked about on the show. And like always, if you have an idea for an organization or a topic you want to hear featured on the show, reach out to me at betteringnashville at gmail.com, or you can send me a DM on Instagram. Once again, that's at Bettering Nashville. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode.